Morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Who? Anybody planning to see any of those? Couple, couple of hands. Okay, you know, I'll admit it. Okay, couple. How about your kids? Do you think you'll be taking your kids to see any of those? Maybe, possibly. So we, you've come at a good time. These these are some of the major blockbusters coming out. And so what we wanted to do was this morning is somewhat of a backdrop message to show how and why. We need to evaluate the messages that are coming our way. This is the big issue. How, how do you do that? How do you evaluate the and screen the input that you're getting from all the media that we're taking in? So that's of particular concern for us. How and why do we need to evaluate the media messages? Uh, I, I'm like many of you. I enjoy a really good movie. And companies are making millions and millions of dollars. high percentage of our population are going to take in all these movies. And why is it? It's because movies are entertaining. I mean, they, they entertain us. They allow us to kind of escape away from some of the challenges that we're facing in life. This is the summer season, so this is when all the blockbusters come out. And so, like, you're usually like, oh, I wonder what's new to be released. But, you know, if you like explosions, they've got that. You know, if you like uh, sappy romance, they've got that. You know, if you like to laugh, they've got that. You know, you've got all of this stuff. And, and, and with a movie... You can kind of sit, and it's 100 degrees outside, you know, this weekend. It's been pretty hot. So with a movie, you can kind of sit in an air-conditioned theater with popcorn, a soft drink. Some of the theaters now, they have like, the have you been in those that you can recline and, you know, people can come and wait on you, you know. Uh, I'll have a refill, please. I haven't done it yet, but, you know, you could, I don't know if you could actually summon anyone with your finger, but 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 you've got... You've got these new theaters that are, you know, there's, they'll wait on you at your chair. But movies allow you to kind of escape away for a moment and to take some of that in. Now, Alan Palmer, he's a screenwriter who coaches people on story writing. He, he says this about movies. Cinema, he says, is the modern secular cathedral. This is where we take in the arts. He wrote this. He said, as humans, we enter that darkened theater seeking, he says, I think three things. Number one, to expand our emotional bandwidth. So we go to the movies because we want to feel some things. We want to feel sensations that we rarely take in and experience in our normal lives. So the movies kind of allow us to take in some things uh, and escape away or, or you know, take in some new emotions. I'm not, I'm not a super emotional guy, so I go to the movies and all of a sudden I'm crying. And I'm like, what just came over me? But, you know, another thing he says is that with the movies, you know, to reconnect with our higher selves. Now, he's not a Christ follower, and, and but he says that in movies we're reminded of our human, you know, capabilities in terms of good and evil. When we see things on the screen and if we're heading down a similar course, it gives us an opportunity to alter course. And so movie makers have a way of trying to steer culture certain directions. Third, he says, to be reminded we're not alone. All of a sudden, we're in this theater, and there's this collective reaction of other people who are also experiencing the same movie in the audience. And we realize, wow, I'm not the only one being challenged with the pressures of, of life. And so, now oftentimes, we, just, we go to the movies, and we just want to escape away. We want to pay 10 bucks, or maybe, you know, 50 bucks, depending on how big your family is. But... Well, and that's, that's if nobody wants to eat. You know, all of a sudden everyone wants to eat. Now it's 80 bucks, you know, and you're just like, you know. But you want to escape away to the movies and just be entertained. And, you know, to entertain 
means that it holds my attention, right? That's what they're hoping. They want to hold our attention. Good movies do this, don't they? A good movie can hold your attention. They pull you in. They focus your attention on the values that the screenwriter really wants you to consider. Now, for me, and some of you here, what happens if it doesn't hold your attention when you get into a nice, comfortable chair? You fall asleep, right? <laughs> Couple nods, you know? One of my friends, he says it's an expensive nap, the movies. And uh, thanks for that line there, you know, helping us get into this this morning. But, but, but yeah, I mean, if it doesn't hold your attention after a certain period of time, you know, I'm out. Like, I'm just like, this is a stress-free environment for a little while. I get a two-hour nap, you know. This is great. I've been to many movies, and my wife reminds me later, we've been to that movie. We've seen that before. I'm at the Red Box. No, we haven't. We were just there. That was our last movie. Really? But, well, when it comes to, to stories, though, Jesus himself was this master storyteller. He would tell stories. He understood the power of a well-crafted story. And he would use stories to move people towards truth and towards right living. Oftentimes it was his parables. Those were what we call his stories. The parables of Jesus. Where he would just, he would tell these Short, simple, straightforward stories in order to drive home a point. In the New Testament, there's, there's close to 60 parables found in the New Testament. You find most of them in the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And again, they're these simple, memorable stories, each of them with, a, with really a single meaning. There's this major point that Jesus is trying to drive home, and he would, he would usually it'd be, you know, in connection to something he was teaching or a question that he was asked, he would answer the question, he would say, there once was a man. And he's giving, he's about to give an illustration about the point that he was just teaching on or the answer that he just gave. He would share something, then he would illustrate with these parables, these stories. He was a great storyteller. And sometimes his parables had a had a twist. And so there would be this surprise at the end for the listeners. It's like he's moving in this direction and you think, oh, I know where he's going. And all of a sudden he says... No, it's this way. And you're just like, what? And some of them were like paradoxes where it seemed almost unbelievable what he was just sharing in his parable. It's because he wants the person to investigate a little further and then as they investigate further, his, his, you know, his story proves true. And they go, oh, I guess that is true. That could... Wow, I hadn't thought of that. And so he's trying to drive home some points. And they were, they were simple... They were memorable enough to, in order to be passed around because in Jesus' days, there was an oral tradition and so stories would be circulated as, as I would tell someone, they would tell someone. They did a good job of keeping the details because that was their tradition, an oral tradition. So, here's a, here's a few of his more memorable parables. I'm going to read some and take a look up here on the screen. You see... Uh, a lot of the cathedrals, they, what they wanted to do was they wanted to actually visually show many of the stories of the Bible. So what do you, what do you see here? What is this, if you, if you recognize this parable? A lot of whispers. Is it this? Is it that? It's the Good Samaritan, right? This is the Good Samaritan. I'm going to read to you. Take a look at this just for a moment. And I'm just going to read from, from the text, Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. 
Somebody wants to stump Jesus, okay? So this expert in the law, he says to Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He turns it back to the guy. The man says, he answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus replied, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Love the Lord your God with all you have, and then also love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? But then the man, it says, wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus a follow-up question. Here's the question. Well, who's my neighbor? If I'm supposed to love my neighbors myself, who, who does that apply to? Who's my neighbor? So now Jesus launches into a parable. Here's the pr- parable. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So this man, he gets beaten up, robbed of all his money. And, and then it says, verse 31, A priest... A religious person happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He didn't address the issue. He passed by on the other side. Actually, in the stained glass, if you're close enough, you can kind of see there's a character in the distance heading off on a horse. So there's the priest. He's just going off on the other side and he he doesn't address this need that's before him. Verse 32, so too, a Levite, another religious man, when he came to the other or to the place and saw him, it passed by on the other side. And you could see him walking away in the distance. But verse 33 says, A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, Look, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He's like, hey, if he decides to, you know, you know, watch a pay-per-view movie or get a candy bar out of the refrigerator, that, of course, that didn't happen those days, but whatever he needs, you know, I got it. The next day, okay, I read that. Which of these, he said, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Of course, he's setting him up. The expert in the law said, well, the one who had mercy on him. Okay, that Samaritan. The unexpected one addresses it. Jesus told him, you know, go and do likewise. The, the parable, it really turned expectations on their head because who ends up being the good neighbor? Not, not the religious folks. Not the ones you would expect to address the problem. The good neighbor is really the despised person in the story. The Samaritan. The despised one. <laughs> so this parable challenges us in many ways. But challenges us when we get picky, when we get selective on, on who we should show love to. So that's a parable that, again, he used to illustrate, used this story to illustrate his point about loving people and having a really large strike zone on who we would say we need to love. Here's another memorable parable. This is, if you were to skip ahead to Luke 15, here is another parable. Maybe you can identify this from the stained glass up there. This one's a little more difficult, I think. The prodigal son, yeah. So you've got a father there, a son on the ground who's like begging him for mercy, and you've got the disapproving older brother who's, who's, 
who's kind of watching in disapproval. And you read about this in Luke chapter 15, but you can see all sorts of emotion. And as you read through the story, you can feel that emotion. Jealousy, humility, desperation, love, compassion. This is a story that Jesus used when he was taking some criticism upon himself. The story goes like this. Basically, Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinful people, kind of worldly people. He's having dinner with all of them. And then the religious people walk by and they see Jesus eating with all of these sinners and he starts getting some flack. And they start criticizing and they say, this man, speaking of Jesus, this man, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And then Jesus just goes on through the parable to show how it is right to go on an all-out hunt when something gets lost. If we lose something, we're going to go looking for it. He says, it is right to do that. We know that. If we lose a coin, if we lose a sheep, he says, if we lose a son, if a son wanders off and goes prodigal, you know, it's right for us to want him to return. And so when people wander off who are lost, God is ready to welcome us back when we repent and turn to him. So he's saying, look, this is why I came. I, I'm here to rescue people who, who've walked away and who are lost, who are prodigals. And that, that's a really comforting story. But he, again, he's addressing something. He's telling this story. Here's another parable. The parable of the sower. This is found in Matthew chapter 13. Now look, listen to this. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it when all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer... Farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they didn't have root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell. On good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So he gives this story to everyone that's listening about, really this is a, this is a story about how God's word goes out and it lands on these different kinds of soils. Later he explains that this, is, this represents people and their, their hearts and their readiness to respond to God. Some people are not ready and some people really are. Some, sometimes it's just good, fertile soil where, where they receive it and growth happens and God does a work in them. There's tremendous growth. Other times there's these other conditions that prevent God's Word from really taking root and growing. Now, at the end he says that statement, He who has ears, let him hear. Now listen to what happens, verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Now, those last two verses, I want you to see those written in a paraphrase. Eugene Peterson, he, he authored the message paraphrase version of the Bible. Look at how he states this, of Jesus' words. Whenever he says that the paraphrase of what Jesus is saying is, whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. You know, when 
they get the parables if, if their heart is ready and prepared. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity, it soon disappears. He said, that's, that's why I tell stories. You want to know why I'm telling all these parables? That's why. I want to do that to create readiness, to nudge the people towards receptive insight. Now in our day and age, now Jesus, he, he, was, he was a great storyteller. In our day and age, the movie makers are the storytellers of our day. And the stories that they tell, they carry the values of a culture. So most of the movies that we see, including these ones that we're going to kind of take a look at and try to evaluate what's the message behind them over the next several weeks, those movies carry the cultural values. That's why we're going to try to understand how do I read and understand and evaluate these movies because I need to be I need to be understanding and engaging with all this input that I'm getting otherwise I'm very easily taken powerful stories a really good movie has a way of nudging us in a certain direction that's that's even what we see here there's this nudging that's going on so if we're Christ followers we need to make sure that that the movies are nudging us in the direction that he wants us to go so in this series, we're not just trying to uncover what's the message behind that movie, but we're also trying to ask the question, what do these movies say about relationships? How do these messages line up with what the Bible teaches about right relationships, maintaining relationships? Because the Bible uncovers patterns of relating that will destroy, eventually, your relationships. We're going to call these the relationship killers. There's six of them that we're going to introduce you to over the next six weeks. Six relationship killers that really will destroy your friendships, destroy your family life. And many of the movies, they, they nudge towards these directions. And so we want to look at these in, in order to try to evaluate those things and, and try to contrast that with what God has to say in the Bible. Here's a preview of, of the movies we're going to be looking at. Uh, the first ones we're going to look at, the message behind the X-Men Apocalypse movie, which is coming out. Really, there's this character that is a very, very prideful character, sees himself as a god, and when you see yourself as a god, then you, there's no uh, boundaries on how you live. It's all about you. And so we're going to be looking at that next week, and how pride in relationships, if we start saying, oh, that was funny, I like what he did there, and we try that with our wife, <laughs> you try that with a friend, pride is a people repellent. And so it just destroys relationships. So we're going to look at the issue of pride. We're going to understand what does the Bible teach about that. And, and not just because in some of these films they say, yeah, that's wrong. But their solution is oftentimes very, very different than what God has to say in the Bible as far as what really works, how life really works. So we're trying to evaluate those things and really try to discern some of the messages. Secondly, we'll be looking at the movie Now You See Me Too. We're not going to watch these movies. We're just going to highlight some of them through some clips. But the issue in this movie, it's about illusion, some illusionists. And the issue is, if you refuse to be honest about who you really are in friendship, you're not really truthful about who you are. If you're, if you're just kind of putting on a mask, then your relationships are plastic. Nobody really knows you. It's, it's artificial, it's phony. And so we're going to be raising the issue of how if you don't let people really know who you are, that's a relationship killer. It's a ticking time bomb. The third movie is Finding Dory. Probably some of your kids are going to want to see this. And, you know, Dory, she's that, uh, what, I forget what kind of fish, but she's the fish that forgets everything, right? And so she's got, you know, amnesia, and so she forgets. So in this, 
we're going to be looking at the patterns of poor communication in, in our relationships. What the scripture teaches about how to communicate in a way that actually builds and helps and is purposeful. And so we'll contrast that with some of the things we see in that movie. And then we'll be looking at The Legend of Tarzan. So we'll do a big like, all together on that day. And, and we'll... The issue here is manipulation. The big message that we see in that movie is manipulation. This character, the, the, well, there's a character that is manipulating. And so the big issue is I will ruin my relationships if I have a pattern of using people to get what I want in life. And oftentimes there's subtle ways of relating that is a form of manipulation that we may not be aware of. And so we want to look at that. Also there's a movie called The Secret Life of Pets. And um, we've always wondered, what do they do when we're gone? That's what they, you know, we're about to find out what happens, you know, when we're not there. And I already know, they destroy things, you know, they, they mess things up, you know. <laughs> they eat things they're not supposed to eat, but... But the issue in this that we're going to look at is the issue of selfishness. And the Bible says that it's a core heart problem of ours. And one of the problems we're just going to have to keep battling with, and our parents need to help us get under control, is our selfishness, our desire to have our own way in life. And so in this movie, we'll be looking at how, how to look to the interests of other people. And again, it's not just that the movie's going to tell us what to do. We want to see what the Bible has to say about those things. And then the last movie is the Bourne franchise. The newest Jason Bourne movie will be coming out. And with this, he's, there's this... I'm not going to spoil any of these things. I mean, you, you, from the trailer you can learn. But we're going to be looking at the issue of, of faithfulness being the core to lasting relationships. Like, when there's unfaithfulness, that will destroy, but there's a way to rebuild and, and get back on track and to rebuild trust. And so, now here's the disclaimer on this series. The big disclaimer on this series. We are not endorsing these movies. So, don't be like, my pastor told me to go see all these movies, you know. <laughs> I'm not paying your way in. We're not endorsing these movies. But since the movies themselves carry the major ideas and the values of our culture, then we're going to evaluate the message behind them. Okay? That's why we're doing it. We want to help you evaluate them. Because if you set out to follow Christ, you need to learn how to hear God's voice and follow God's voice. Now, he reveals, he speaks to us primarily through the Bible. He speaks to us. He, he, we get into the scripture and he begins to tell, tell us and teach us how to live, how to do life his way, according to reality. His ways are true, but they're also real. But a lot of times, what we get as we, as we get into the Bible, we start experiencing static in our communication with Him because what God asks us to do and what we want to do and what the culture says we should do, there's just conflicting messages and, and tensions we feel. And so there's all this static in the lines. The static is often the distractions of the, the media messages that are coming our way makes it difficult for us to really hear God's Word, understand what God is really saying through the Scriptures, because we get pulled by the messages in the media being sent to us every day through the news. You know, I take in the news, I try to read the news, and sometimes I take in the news, and I, and I, and I, I read it and I walk away with some, with some feelings of fear or discouragement or, or oh, we better, you know, whatever. And, and so the, the media messages have a way of, of again, impacting us. It's the movies we watch. It's the songs we take in. Sometimes with the songs. Another powerful form of media. You know, we get into the beat. We get into the tune. And, and we're like, man, that's catchy. I could, I could get into that. Start singing it. You know, you start memorizing the lyrics. And you're singing it. And all of a sudden, you're singing it. And you're like, 
I just sang that, didn't I? That's really not good. That message is really horrible. But it sounds good. But it's, it's really contrary to what God wants me to be thinking. Oh, I'm just singing it. Well, how does that, how does that media message impact you? Again, this is what we want to be thinking about. All of this stuff can get us emotionally charged. In movies, they say a great deal about our relationships. So primarily, we'll be focusing in on the, the theme of relationships in the movies. But how, how to be a friend? Well, the Bible tells us a great deal about that. How to have healthy relationships. How to have friendships. How to, how to sacrifice. There's all sorts of examples. There's all sorts of instruction. But then, but then the, the movies come along and say, Here, here's how to make a friend. Or, or how to date. And the Bible has a lot to say about, again, health and purity and, and marriage and, and boundaries. And, and But the movies are very happy to just instruct us on how to date, right? Or how to relate to your family, how to treat your boss, all of these different things that come up. The movies have a lot to say that they're wanting to teach us about these areas. And they can create very clear examples that we can soak up into our brains, and into our hearts. And that begins to impact the way we approach our own relationships. Now, studies have been done to, to, to prove that movies do have an impact on our lives and certainly on our relationships. Now, look at this. This is the impact of romantic comedies. This is not my favorite uh, movie genre, but I have been to many romantic comedies, taking many of these in. Now, a study was done by a university in Scotland, and the study included... Reviewing 40, the results of 40 top box office films released between 1995 and 2005 to establish what are the common themes and what's the impact of those themes. And then these psychologists, you know, they found out that fans of films such as The Wedding Planner, You've Got Mail, and While You Were Sleeping, some of you are like, top, top three, right there, top three. Fans of The Wedding Planner, You've Got Mail, and While You Were Sleeping, you know, those fans often fail to communicate with their, you know, significant other effectively. Many hold the view that if, if someone is meant to be with you, then somehow they should just know what you want without you needing to tell them what you want. They should read your mind, right? That's like what the movies say, right? They, you, you should just know me. You complete me. You're a part of me. And so we get this, oh, you know, we get these scenes in the, in the movies where they're just looking into each other's eyes and they, it's just, everything's just so magical and things get resolved and just through gazes, you know, try that. <laughs> you get into an argument. Just throw a gaze. <laughs> and you're like, well, it worked for Mel Gibson, Brad Pitt. Well, you're not Brad Pitt, you know, but... No, what, what, about, what about a smooth line? Well, it worked for so-and-so. So here's the quote from one of those psychologists. He says, We now have some emerging evidence that suggests popular media play a role in perpetuating these ideas in people's minds. The problem is that while most of us know that the idea of a perfect relationship is unrealistic, some of us are still more influenced by media portrayals than we realize. So the researchers, they're, they're finding many of the themes people actually believe are just unrealistic. Go figure. But it impacts. Look at what it says. We all want to be successful in our relationships. We want to be the special one. And we want to meet the special one. Unfortunately, 
People tend to believe the Hollywood idea of a perfect relationship. We start seeing waves in our relationship. We think, oh, that's not how it's supposed to work. Why, why is that? Well, because on, on, the, on the screen, it doesn't work that way. Because that's the, the image we get in our mind. This is just, he says, this is just unrealistic. People feel if their relationship is not like a Hollywood film, then it's not any good. Investing time and energy are not themes that are popular in Hollywood films. He, you know, you don't hear that. This is going to take work. You know, TV continued. Part two. It's coming out next year. We've been working on it. <laughs> you know, who would go to see that movie? None of us. Why? Well, it's because that's our lives. We want to escape from our life. And we want to see it in some imaginary land that doesn't exist. But then when our world is not matching up, we, we get frustrated at that. I, I don't know how many times I've talked to people who, have, who cannot put their finger on this, but this is exactly what has destroyed the relationship. They won't admit this, but it's, it's just not living up to what they dreamed. Well, where'd the dream come from? It's coming from, most often, the media input that we're getting. For those who follow Christ, we need to screen out messages that are unrealistic and we need to choose to treat others in a way that actually pleases God and reflects how God's designed our relationships to actually flourish. God, God wants us to experience the kind of relationship that, that He would bless and that we would enjoy, but we, just, we can't just arrive there by ourselves. We actually need His help and we need His truth from the Scripture to help us make progress daily. And it takes time and investment and work. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at these movies and ask what is the message in that movie and does it square with Scripture and reality? What does this movie say about how I should treat people? How I should respond to hurt? What about effective communication, healthy relationships? We're going to look at all these things, ask some questions. And since we get caught up in movies, we can feel like the movies really reflect how life really works. But, but no, movie, no movie shows the long-term effect on relationships because they can't. <laughs> No movie shows that because they're not real. These are just scripted scenes. These are actors. We have to remind ourselves of that sometime because we can buy into some of those things that we see. Now here's the good news. The good news is that the Bible shows us how to read and how to evaluate media. Things like movies. So the first thing to do is this. And this is on your listening guide. The first thing to do is filter the ideas that you collect through the truths in the Bible. We have to filter or screen the ideas that we're collecting through all this media input. And we need to measure the ideas by what does the scripture actually say. So Romans 12.2, again in Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase, you're all probably more familiar with, you know, you not be conformed any longer by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. He paraphrases this, Romans 12.2, and he says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. This is so easy to do, though. Instead, he says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This passage, Romans 12, 2, it... You know, applies to all sorts of areas of our lives that we have to not be conformed. We have to allow the Word of God to transform our thinking, to be renewing us. But 
it's clear that we should expect to hear some static at points as we live, aim to live life God's way. We're going to get some static in the lines because we follow Christ Jesus, but we do that amid waves of ideas that, that flow against His way. And so there's static constantly from the billboards, the signs, the TV, all the media, the music, the video games, the social media, all this stuff. And whenever you decide to follow Jesus, you have to swim hard against a strong current of the ways of the world at large. And when it comes to relationships, especially, knowing dysfunction is really the first step. We have to know what is dysfunctional. We have to know what are the relationship killers. Because we need to know how to relate in the right way. And this takes a lot of analysis. It takes a lot of evaluation. It takes a lot of asking questions when we're watching things. We have to do more than just soak in the movie. One of the worst things that we could probably do is pay our admission, sit down, and just check out our minds and say, just taking this in, soaking it up. But oftentimes, that's what we can be doing if we're not going in wise to what, what, what is happening, what we're experiencing. Processing is really important because ideas and impressions, they just stick to us all the time. The way that the movie's ideas impact us is this. Uh, um, our mind forms a mental image of something we see or something that we imagine or something that we sense. And that becomes an idea. Now you put that idea together with a story and words and music and visuals and it creates this emotion that is tied to the message being communicated. And then those ideas really become a part of all of our thinking. It it can become part of how we see the world. The emotion coupled with the idea really can imprint on you. Movies can cause us to kind of like drop our guard and kind of lower like the drawbridge to the castle of our heart and our mind. And we begin adopting ways of thinking that we really wouldn't adopt. But now all of a sudden we've dropped the the drawbridge and all of a sudden all sorts of thinking that can really destroy and ruin things is flowing into our life. So we have to screen, we have to filter. It's easy for people today to just operate out of notions and impressions that we've just kind of picked up along the way from the media because we're like sponges who take in and soak up messages. And the Bible, what it does, it's like you're soaking in things in the world. The Bible, what it does is it helps us wring it out. We wring it out and we begin to think, okay, that's not true. That needs to go. That's discarded. That's clearly off. So that we don't retain the wrong messages. And when we don't engage our mind when we're watching media or taking in media, then faulty ideas plant in us like seeds and they begin to grow up like weeds you know messing with our actions messing with our attitudes and it grows into really rotten fruit the second way to read and evaluate is is to ask God for discernment to pray for discernment as you encounter messages in the media movies are fun but we need to be discerning when we take them in movies are good they're striking a chord with general values that are important to most people but we still need to ask the question that discernment prompts us to ask, which is, is the message true? Is the message behind this movie really true? If I go down the path that they suggest, what will happen to my fill-in-the-blank? What will happen to my marriage if I go down the path they suggest? What will happen to my friendship if I go down the path that they're suggesting? Proverbs 17, verse 24 reads, A discerning man keeps wisdom in view. At all times, you know, a person of discernment, they're, they're keeping God's way, His view on life in view all the time. But a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. A discerning person is looking closely. They're gaining understanding. They're setting their face towards God's ways of wisdom. They're at full attention to what God really wants. 
And they're asking, what is the movie actually saying? What is this message behind this song, this show, this movie? To keep wisdom in view, we must saturate ourselves with God's Word. And that's critical. It's the only real way to distinguish right from wrong, good from evil, is to saturate ourselves in God's Word. We can ask, we can ask God this. We can say, God, would you, as Psalms reads, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandment. We can pray this to God. God, would you teach me to grow in discernment, to grow in judgment, so I can discard the wrong, the evil, because it's so easy to get pulled in a direction with words or images that tug on our emotions. But again and again in my own life, you know, God's Word has been the thing that has helped me to know that's right and that's wrong. I cannot do that. It's God's Word that reminds us to the subtleties. It clues us into some of the subtleties that we need to be alerted. That's, that's a step in the wrong direction. That is a step, that's a decision that leads to this, which leads to that. And that's dis- discernment from God's Word that allows us to detect good from evil, right from wrong. And to gain that, it, it, we, it grows as we dig into the Scripture as our filter for ourselves. I want to invite you to take out just one last thing here. Take out this insert. You see this additional insert in your program. It says relationships at the box office. And we put this together to help you grow in discernment as you approach media. Shows, movies, music. So here's how you uncover the message of a movie. You want to begin to discover the message statement. Discover the message statement. So you see, here's some questions to ask. Who's the hero? Like, you know, who is that main character, that hero? You can try this for yourself. You can do this with your kids, maybe as a way to evaluate the media they're taking in. Hey, let's look at your favorite show. Who's the hero? Oh, well, it's this guy right here. It's Superman. Okay, well then, what's the movie about? Well, it's about, you know, saving the world and defeating the bad guy and, and you know, what's, well, what's the main, you know, motivation of that hero? What's driving him? How does the hero or the hero's motivation change by the end of the movie? You know, sometimes our heroes in the movies, the motivation is really, it's the wrong motivation. Sometimes it's pride, right? A lot of the superhero movies these days, the motivation is not uh, the, the best motivation. Sometimes we don't pick up on it because he's the hero and he just defeated a really bad guy. But we realize he's not the greatest guy. And so we want to, you know, our kids, they, they, again, they're sponges. They're picking this up. So their hero, yeah, they, they defeated the bad guy, but they're really a prideful hero who's cutthroat and selfish in these other ways. And so we have to ask these questions. Is there something that changes within the hero? Flip to the backside. This is some questions to help you identify the value message of a movie. Like, who was looked down on in the movie? Who was made fun of? Who was disapproved? What characteristics of the person were bad? What, what, what did they stand out for? Who was looked up to? You know, what did they stand for? And then, understanding the perspective or worldview of a movie. See, these, these movies are teaching us a set of beliefs, a way to look at the world. The filmmakers, they have an agenda behind them. This is not just only to make money, but there's an agenda oftentimes behind the movies that we're watching. So, how do we understand that? These questions will help. And then finally, contrasting the movie's message statement, the values and worldview of Christianity. 
How does this square with the Christian worldview? How, how do things looked up to and looked down on in the show compare with biblical values? And finally, how would God want us to treat these people according to the Scriptures? What direction would please Him? These are great questions to begin to you know, to test out on some of your favorite shows, the movies you take in this summer. What we're not saying is, again, we're not saying, hey, we endorse these movies. What we are saying is, as you watch some of these things, engage with God through this. Ask good questions. Learn to evaluate and pause and reflect and not just check out. Help your kids learn to do that and not just check out and just escape away into some other world. Uh, help them engage with this. So we, we're doing this to try to help us all grow in our discernment as we approach the different things coming our way this summer. So would you take out the bottom? You'll notice these uh, next steps at the bottom of your listening guide. Memorize uh, Psalm. It should actually be Proverbs 17.24. So memorize Proverbs 17.24. Second, practice uncovering the message. Try this out. Try to uncover the message behind the, a show, uh, a movie this week. And then third, we're going to encourage you to attend the rest of this series. Be here as we, as we look at these six different relationship killers beginning next Sunday. And again, this morning was really trying to give us a backdrop understanding of how to do that. How do we read and, and, and understand and apply uh, to the different things coming our way. So let, let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your help. God, thank you for your word and the way that you, <coughs> through your word, are transforming our thinking. You're renewing our minds. We're living in a world that is running contrary to your ways and is being steered in a direction that doesn't please you. And so, Lord, help us to understand how to live in this world in a way that does not reflect the world's values. We want, to, we want to live differently in a way that really pleases you. At the same time, we want to be able to know how to re- relate and reach out to people uh, who are walking a different direction, Lord. So we, we pray that you would even use this <clears throat> to spark conversations, to provide invitations. As people are wrestling with major issues in their lives, Lord. And the movies are providing answers that are just insufficient. And so, God, we pray that your truth as revealed in the Bible it is really it is it is all we need it, it, it cuts through all the noise it has all the answers it is eternal Lord your word stands forever and so Lord I pray that you would continue to establish and root us through your word and its truth we thank you for this time we, we pray you'd help us to grow in these areas the things you're identifying in us Lord help us to take some notes in our minds and Jot some things down even of ways to apply this this week. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.